Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 167. Passion, dedication, and inspiration. If you're ready to hear inspired... Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Hiring interviews with amazing trauma therapists, this is it. Right here, right now. With your host, Guy McPherson. All right, guys, before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to thetraumatherapistproject.com slash freebook. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com slash freebook. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Look, if you're like me and you love reading, just getting information from every angle you can, Audible is a great way to go. They have titles like The Body Keeps a Score by Bessel van der Kolk, as well as Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, in addition to every other genre. They also have an amazing return policy, which I actually used last week. If you don't like the book, just go back in once you're a member. Uh, hit return, click on return, and that's it. Done. No questions asked. I love it. Once again, get your free book by going to thetraumatherapistproject.com slash free book. Let's get started. All right, guys, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Um, hope you're having a great morning. Uh, I'm super psyched to introduce my guest to you today, Lisa Dale Miller. Lisa, are you ready to go? I am, and excited to be here with you. Awesome. So Lisa is a private practice psychotherapist in Los Gatos, California. She specializes in mindfulness psychotherapy and somatic experiencing therapy for the treatment of depression, anxiety, addiction, trauma, emotional dysregulation, chronic pain, and relationship distress. Lisa is the author of the highly regarded textbook on Buddhist psychology for mental health clinicians, Effortless Mindfulness, Genuine Mental Health Through Awakened Presence. Lisa also presents at conferences on the clinical applications of mindfulness and Buddhist psychology. She's been a yogic and Buddhist meditation practitioner for over four decades. Wow. All right. Lisa, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Um, Take a moment. Let us know um, what Los Gatos is like and even where you're from. Well, I'm not from Los Gatos, (laughs) but I have been here in Silicon Valley for 22 years, which is amazing because uh, I came here reluctantly, (laughs) but it is the, it is the place that I've lived the longest in my life. I did grow up in the um, New York City area, Oh, nice. Okay. but I've lived um, all over the world. I spent 
I moved here to Silicon Valley from Tokyo, actually. I lived there for four years. And, um, and it's very beautiful here. <laughs> wow. So Awesome. And also, uh, the people are very interesting. It's a cutting-edge kind of place and a very interesting place to work psychotherapeutically with individuals. I get to work with a lot of very smart, um, scientific, engineering-type people. And that's always very um, gratifying and interesting. Awesome. So an East Coaster as well. Um and nice to meet you. <laughs> so let's start here. You know, we, we chatted a little bit before we started recording, but to get going, to provide context for our listeners, to give them a little idea of uh, maybe where you're coming from, share with us, share with our listeners a, a quote, a mom. Are you tired of spending countless hours buried under mountains of progress notes or clinical notes? It's time to focus on what truly matters, which is providing exceptional care to your clients. Introducing Text Expander, your ultimate solution to help you streamline documentation and boost your productivity. I've been using Text Expander for years, and it's one of the tools I use every single day. If you're a therapist, if you're a coach, any content or text you use on a regular basis in your progress notes, for example, your name, address, or even longer forms, paragraphs of notes or sections of reports, you can create a shortcut for it. Text Expander automatically populates entire paragraphs of text, saving you valuable time and effort, and it allows you to get back to what truly matters your clients. Text Expander is offering the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners 20% off when you go to textexpander.com slash trauma. That's textexpander.com slash trauma. Ancha, something to give them uh, some context. What would you like to share? Uh, what I'd like to share is the concept of integration. I think it is critically important for individuals to not separate values from their professional life, from their spiritual life, from their inner life. And I think that the most successful people in our world, the people who do the greatest benefit for our world, are individuals who um, don't separate who they are in different areas of their life. And it is something that I've tried to do um, because I started the practice of meditation at a very young age. Um, it has always been an integral part of who I am as a person, um, almost so that it seems kind of mundane at this point. But the, the idea of awakening and allowing a person to have direct access to what is actual inside of their own perception of the world and that that perception is not distorted in a way that cuts off or impedes their capacity to actually land um, in an embodied and present way in the way the world actually is. And the truth is, most of the time, the world shows up in ways that our mental constructions um, don't prefer. And so I think that integration and flexibility are critical to the kind of resilience that is required to be an individual 
who can apply a set of deeper underlying values of um, mindfully and open-heartedly acting and receiving your experience. And to me, that is what genuine mental health is. Okay. So you said a lot right there. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I feel that is really could be the template for a, a, <laughs> a really like a keynote or even a, a chapter in a textbook. But, um, you know, just taking a step back here, one of the things that really stood out or jumped out for me in your in bio and one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on here is this, um, you've got almost this integration, if you will, of uh, you know Buddhist psychology and and the trauma work and the somatic work, so many things that I think are really vital and essential and rich, to, uh, not only for uh, the uh, therapeutic healing of trauma, but also educationally for our listeners. So using that that. That, that concept of integration and flexibility. Let's kind of step forward here and talk about, you know, how you do that, you know, how, okay, that's great. You know, the, these, these concepts are exciting, but how do they play out? How do you educate people? How do you utilize them in the work you do? And I'd like you to, to kind of begin by sharing the story of how you got here, how you got into this work. Um, um, in a very twisted <laughs> way, actually, I spent the first 25 years of my career life as a fairly well-known visual artist, actually. I showed in museums and galleries around the world. I did fairly cutting-edge, large-scale, interactive um, installation pieces. And um, But I was always interested, as I said, everything that I've ever done professionally has been to be able to allow people to wake up and actually know themselves and their world as it is. And that was true with all of the interactive installation work that I did. And um, in the year 2000, shortly after I completed um, a year-long series of installation pieces for the turning of the millennium um, at several different museums, I was asked to go to Kosovo (laughs) right when the war ended by someone that I had known professionally in Tokyo. And I'm also a Middle Eastern frame drummer. And she said, you know, we've opened a food program and the villages are all burned out and we're building schools in the villages. And any chance you'd like to bring some drums and come to Kosovo (laughs) and go out to the villages every day and just Take drums. It'll be fun. The kids will be able to drum. Well, what they didn't know and what I didn't know is that most of the villages we were visiting were Albanian Kosovar villages. And the kind of frame drum that I play is the indigenous drum of the Albanian Kosovars and the rhythms that I play. These uh, Egyptian and Turkish rhythms are their indigenous rhythms. And music is the most important part of their culture. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the girls and the women are the drummers. We didn't know this. <laughs> so, and I was an artist at this point in my life. I had no clinical training. So every day I would go and I would take these frame drums that had jingles. So they were a form of tambourine. 
And I would come into these villages where the kids had experienced so much trauma. Um, some of them, some of the villages had had mass massacres in the villages. Some of them had been totally burned out. Many of these kids had had to leave their villages and live up in the woods for months at a time. And so I landed in a trauma zone <laughs> with drums that were their culture. And so each day I would go and I mostly worked with children that were between fourth and eighth grade. And I would bring in the drums and there were these traumatized physiologies. I, I was completely out of my element. I kept asking CRS to give me a psychologist to come with me, and they wouldn't. Mm. And I ended up doing what I guess was ostensibly music therapy. I would sing for them. They would sing me some songs. I'd pull out the drums, and they, you would just see their entire facial expressions, their whole physiology would just wake up. And the girls would take the drums, and they would start drumming their rhythms, and the boys and the men dance in this culture, and they would start dancing. I have a lot. I have all of this on video, by the way. <laughs> I videotaped almost every day that I went out. And when I got back four months later, I said to myself, "You know, I'm kind of tired of being at the behest of the art world. I enjoyed working with trauma, even though it was really scary, because I had no idea what to do." And I went back to graduate school. And it's been a very fast journey because, as I said, you know, I've been a um, yogic and Buddhist meditation practitioner for a very long time. And so the whole mindfulness thing was just getting going around the year 2000 in the clinical world. And so these two things came together. And so that, that's, how it, that's how it happened for me. And the somatic experiencing piece, um, at this point, I really don't remember what it was like to do psychotherapy without somatic experiencing. Um, the integration of the nervous system work as well as the psychological trauma work, there is nothing like it for being able to allow an individual not only to recognize trauma response in their nervous system, but to be able to unwind it themselves, not only in session, but their self-applicable skills. So they learn the skills so out in their lives, they can know when they are having some kind of triggering from some past trauma for something that's occurring right in the moment. And they learn how to be able to just drop in and rest in the experience with their awareness, which, by the way, is a very Buddhist skill. It's a Buddhist meditational skill. But frankly, it is the main awareness is the main skill in somatic experiencing because the nervous system is able to unwind its own trauma response given half a chance when the mind is not off in its own narrative, creating its own upsets and anxiety. It's partnering as a witness with the nervous system. The nervous system, it already is programmed to do homeostasis. It knows how to unwind its own trauma. I wish I had known about somatic experiencing when I was in Kosovo. <laughs> it would have been such a gift to be able to have offered those skills to the children that I worked with there for four months. That is a pretty just amazing story. I mean, <laughs> even if you hadn't had, well, you didn't have the somatic experiencing, but I mean, it's just, 
there's something about, you know, kind of just going into that zone with your drums, which happened to be the, the drums of their culture and, and working as you did, uh, and almost not even knowing, you know, what you were doing. Did, did, did you feel you had a special affinity or not even a special affinity, just an affinity for working with these kids? And as, and when did you realize, uh, or did you realize you were, you were doing the work while you were in it? Did you, was there a point where you realized I'm kind of doing music therapy for individuals who have been, you know, severely traumatized? There was one day, I will tell you this story because it's, um, I, I rarely tell this story. So I don't think it's ever been recorded. So this is the first time. Um, this was a day I had already been to one of the villages. I, I won't say the name, but there was a very famous village where one of the massacre pits had been found by the U.S., um, I think the general who was running the war effort at the time had found it. And I went into that village. They, those children had had absolutely no trauma whatsoever. Therapy. They had none, nothing from anyone. And they could barely speak, these children, in the school. It was unbelievable. And that was a day when I brought out the drums with kids who could barely speak and barely move. And by the end of, and they had, the, they had an old teacher who was using music with them, who was trying to bring some kind of healing to them because um, music is so big in their culture. And he was using a keyboard, actually. And he had been trying for months to get them to have some kind of life in them. But once the drums came out, because the drums are so integral to the culture and they, they had no drums in the village. Everything was gone. Um, something happened that day where I really saw the human physiology change. By the end of the hour that I spent with those kids, they were actually smiling and moving around. And I was never able to go back to that village, unfortunately. But the two days later, I was in a, another village outside of Pristina, then the first village I talked to you about that was outside of Prizren, the capital. But this village was outside of Pristina. And I went into a fifth grade classroom, did the thing, you know, it all went really well. And at the end of it, some of the children huddled together and they went to the teacher and they asked the teacher if they could show me something. And so the teacher said, well, okay. And so these six children out of the class got up in front of the class and they enacted a play that they had created. Um, and it was a play of the day. This was a particular village in which NATO had found out that the Serbian army had hidden armaments under these tarps. And so they'd found it out. And the next day they planned to come and actually get rid of the armaments by bombing them. Unfortunately, the Serbs found out that we knew and they moved the armaments and then they herded a bunch of the parents of some of these children, about 80 adults, into carriages and they put them under tarps and the U.S. Army bombed them. So these were the children who had lost their parents. And they'd created a play 
it reenacting that day. And it turned out after school, they had been going home. Well, whatever you call home, the villages were pretty burned out at that point. And they'd been enacting this play as a way for them to do their own trauma therapy. And they'd never shown it to anyone. I'm sorry, I'm getting teary just thinking about this. And they got up in front of the classroom and they enacted the play for all of us. And that was the day that afterwards I sat down. I always sat down with the village elders and the principal of the school in every village I went to each day. I sat down beforehand. I sat down again afterwards. And that was the day that they finally realized that they needed to have some kind of psychologist come and help these children. So if I hadn't gone to this, the village that day and brought out drums and done something that allowed these children to feel safe enough, they would never have been able to share this reenacting play that they had been doing on their own each day for months to try to deal with the loss of their parents and the trauma that they experienced that day. Oh my God. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, it, it's so moving. And as you're talking, I'm just so glad I had you on, <laughs> invited you on this podcast <laughs> because it, it's just so inspiring to hear you, people like you who are doing this work, it, it's not, uh, you know, it just feels so embedded in your DNA in who you are. Um, and, and you know, I, when, when, when I, when I hit play, when I hit record rather, I oftentimes, yeah, I have a series of questions that I, I think I'm going to ask, but I often don't know where it's going to go. And, you know, who knew that, you know, this discussion was going to kind of meander and, and move kind of river-like to this point where <laughs> you can just feel and hear in what you're sharing that this work is just so profound for you. And uh, it, that that story, again, was just so powerful. My God, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I think in order to tie this back to the work that I do currently, um, one of the things that made it possible for me, every day I experienced uh, the kinds of effects of trauma and actual trauma that honestly, I really, you know, I'm an American. We, most of us have never been in a war. And... So I really didn't know what I was getting into. But I have to say that the Buddhist teachings, the teachings of the Buddha, the capacity for me to know that there is human suffering and that human suffering exists because human beings mistake the actuality of experience. They have distorted concepts about the way things are and they mistake um, separation, hatred, greed, all of these distortions for reality. And because I, on some very deep level, knew that 
all of what had happened in these villages, all of what had occurred was just the outcome of basic human suffering in the mind. And that I knew that there was a way, there is a way to awaken from that form of suffering. And every single human being has the capacity to awaken from this kind of suffering through clear comprehension of the way things are and a deep, deep grounding in compassion. That knowing that any perpetration that is occurred to oneself or that we have perpetrated upon others, all of it arises from the same source of human suffering. And if I hadn't had that, I don't think that I would have been able to go and be in these situations mm. that I had no preparation for. I had no idea that's what I was getting into. But my training in Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist psychology allowed me to be able to do that with some kind of humility. <laughs> and one of the things that I made sure to do, because you have to understand, five days a week, I was in villages where the Serbian army had really perpetrated tremendous amounts of violence. So in order for me to be able to remain open-hearted toward the Serbian people. On Saturdays, there was a food delivery um, component to what Catholic Relief Services was doing. It was the major program. And on Saturday, I would stow away on the first food service delivery truck that went to one of the two Serbian villages that still existed in Kosovo at that time, down in the part of Kosovo where we were near Prizren um, and Pristina. There were very few Serbian villages left, and everybody hated the Serbs. And I did not want to be lost in that kind of hatred. So I would stow away on the truck, and I would go to the Serbian village, and I would spend the day in the Serbian village doing what I did without the drums, because they don't play the drums, doing what I did in the Albanian Kosovar villages, and nobody knew other than two people at CRS. None of the villages, Albanian villages knew I did that on Saturday, and none of the, and none of the uh, Serbian villages knew that I was with the Albanian Kosovars the rest of the week. Oh my God. This, this, this experience is, you can just feel how much it's kind of influenced uh, not only the work you do, but who you are. Yeah. I want to move on. And I yeah. want to kind of invite you to share an early mistake, you know, what you learned from that. Before we do, Lisa, let's just take a moment here and pause for these announcements. This work we do as trauma therapists, as counselors, as social workers is inspiring. There's no two ways about it. It's an honor and a privilege to be working with our clients, but it's also incredibly demanding and can be draining for even the most superhuman among us. This is why I created my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0. Trauma Therapist 2.0 is an online membership community specifically geared towards new trauma therapists. It's a place where you can get support 
education, and both get and receive inspiration. Trauma Therapist 2.0 consists of video interviews with master therapists and thought leaders in the field. This is where I go in and I specifically ask them to break down step-by-step how they work with trauma clients so that we can then take that and use that in our work. It also consists of a private Facebook group where we can hang out and share our wins, share our struggles with others who are getting into this field as well. And finally, it consists of how-to skills videos that are short, concise, fundamental videos that you, again, can take and use in your practice. Look, if you're new to the field or even if you're looking for support and you're ready to begin walking this journey with others like yourself, head on over to Trauma Therapist. Two, that's the number two dot com. That's trauma therapist two, the number two dot com. Check it out. All right. So, you know, you shared a lot about, uh, you know, your, your, your previous experience and how that's impacted, uh, again, not only the work you're doing, but yourself. Um, but share with our listeners here, you know, and people who are listening to this are uh, various, they're in various stages of, of their education, of their work as, as, as uh, trauma workers, an early mistake and what you learned from that. Wow. So many mistakes. <laughs> Actually, I really do want to say each day sometimes is a continual mistake. But that's the beauty of psychotherapy. But I'd say that the mistakes that stick out occurred when I thought that I could know something more than what the individual I was working with knew already about themselves. Can you get, I want to have you get specific. Can you, can you think of a time as particular individual you were working with? Give us, give us that story. Um, you know, it's hard for me to, to actually call up one particular person, but I'd say that the biggest mistakes I've ever made, I made early on in my work with war veterans because they, they have a very specific languaging and they have a very specific kind of um, way that they talk about their trauma experience. And I, in the beginning, did not do the due diligence that I should have done on really learning that language. And you know, there are a lot of people now who are working with war veterans, with ex-military veterans. And I think that that's a big mistake that people make, is that they don't steep themselves enough in military culture in order to be able to be with a an ex-military personnel or even somebody who's in active duty um, and hold their experience with the frame that is appropriate for the experience. Mm. People judge um, what other people do a lot when they, especially when they're working with perpetrators. And I think um, if there are individuals out there who are doing the really amazing work of working with people in prisons who've committed crimes, working with sex offenders. I think they probably know what I'm talking about as well. Um, so that I, it's I, really, 
yeah, let me just say not to judge. Yeah, I love I love what you said here about the, the highlighting the importance of uh, kind of holding, respecting the frame, uh, you know, under which or with which the individual kind of experienced that trauma. Um, I think that is so powerful. What's the take home, the takeaway here for our listeners? I I think that the take home here is that there. It's not enough. Well, first of all, I want to be very clear. Please, any of you who are still doing the kind of trauma therapy where you just have somebody tell the story, stop doing this. You are not doing them any favors. Go get trained in some kind of somatic modality, whether that's hopefully somatic experiencing, which frankly I think is the most integrative method, um, and it's a biological method, or um, Bessel van der Kolk has sort of created something. He's taken a lot of what Peter Levine did um, with Essie, and he sort of created his own thing, so you can go get trained in what he's doing. Uh, but please, please, it's very important for psychotherapists to go and learn some kind of somatic modality so that they are not re-traumatizing their patients People do not need to tell the whole story. They can tell some of the story, and the nervous system responses are right there. And if you are a psychotherapist who is not trained in being able to recognize the nervous system responses and allow someone to actually stop and unwind those responses, you are going to be re-traumatizing them every time they tell that trauma story. So please... Obviously, get educated in some kind of somatic modality, and there's going to be more opportunity, Lisa, for you to kind of give some more uh, tidbits of advice. But before you do, I mean, and I think it's so kind of clear to our listeners what's driving you, but why, why do you keep doing this work? What's your why, in a sense? Um. My life has always been about service. What else is there? My life has always been about service. What else is there? What do you say to, you know, the people listening who are just starting to get into this field, who uh, maybe don't know where to start, don't know where to begin, want to start their trauma-informed education, you know, you, you just talked about the importance of getting educated in uh, somatic uh, somatic modality. What else would you say to them? Okay. <laughs> so that was a message. That last message was for all of the licensed clinicians. <laughs> that was for them. Um, if you are not a licensed clinician yet, please go get educated. Please go get a clinical degree and get educated. Okay. And after you have your clinical training, then go do your somatic training. You need both. I am continually, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word to use here, concerned. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. I'm continually concerned um, when I hear that there are people out there who are working with people who have trauma and they are not, clinically trained. Mm-hmm. I think that that is not appropriate. 
at all. Okay. So, and it's worth doing. Uh, if you're not a licensed clinician yet, please get educated, then get your somatic training, um, really kind of driving home the importance of, uh, both. both. Okay. Now yes. let's talk about, uh, but first here, everything that we're talking about, Lisa is going to be uh, up on the show notes page at the trauma therapist project.com to sit on the podcast yes. tab. Um, your links will come up. Your uh, book, Effortless Mindfulness, Genuine Mental Health Through Awakened Presence, um, will uh, have linked up. What would you say is kind of a go-to book that you would uh, recommend? Again, it doesn't have to be trauma-related. Oh, but it's going to be, actually. Okay. Right. My, my, <laughs> I think Peter Levine's latest book, Trauma and Memory, is phenomenal. And the reason I think it's phenomenal is because he lays out all of the clinical research on um, memory and how trauma is actually um, instilled in memory. And it's very important for trauma therapists to know how trauma actually gets instantiated in the brain and how to work with unwinding that, these kinds of trauma memories. And for those of us who are already SEPs, you know, some of, some of what he's doing is reiterating the methodology of SE. So th that's kind of a reiteration, but I have to say, um, it, it's, it is a book that I really love. And, and then the only other thing that I would recommend is I keep telling my patients that I think gastroenterologists are going to replace me in my job in about 15 or 20 years. <laughs> and that's because there is so much good phenomenological and scientific research now on the microbiome and the uh, microbiota gut-brain axis. I actually have a section on this in my textbook on Buddhist psychology for clinicians, oh, which, wow. which I wrote in 2013 and it was published in 2014. And I, I, even in the last two years, there is so much more definitive research. Um, and I would highly recommend everybody read the book Brain Maker, which is written by a neurologist. Um, and very important for those of us who are working in this field to learn about the gut and gut mi microbiota. It's a critical piece of mental health. And the, the only other thing that I would say, I'm not big on touting my own work, but for those of you who are interested in mindfulness, um, if you really want to know where all this came from and you want to read about the actual Buddhist teachings in a form where it's not just laid out in the actual teachings, but it's laid out with the neurobiology of all the practices, um, as well as the psychology of the practices. My textbook is dense. I apologize. <laughs> it's a scholarly book. Uh, it's not a popular book, but that's the reason that I did it because there was nothing like it and it needed to be done because these days most of the mindfulness training for mental health professionals is just not very good. So, And that's, um, again, Effortless Mindfulness, the one you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. So the books you mentioned were Trauma and Memory. Uh, brain, mm -hmm. brain, brain Maker. Yep. Brain and Body in in a Search for the Living Past, a Practical Guide for Understanding and Working with Traumatic Memory. That's Peter Levine. And then the second book, Brain Maker, The Power of Gut Microbes to Heal and Protect Your Brain for Life. And that's by David Perlmutter. 
Uh, finally, your book, Effortless Mindfulness, Genuine Mental Health Through Awakened Presence, Lisa Dale Miller. Again, each of those will be linked up at the show notes page at the traumatherapistproject.com. Hit on the podcast tab. Lisa, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? You know, my website is the best way. Um, it's my name. It's lisadalemiller.com. Um, the book has a website also. It's awakenedpresence.com. But most people um, just contact me through my website. Awesome. Okay. And um, again, those will be linked up. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, you obviously we could have gone on and on really about this, but uh, you know, it's people seriously. And I'm just, it's, I love doing this because I get to talk to people like you. It's, it's, there's a reason, you know, when I asked you about your why you could just feel it's like an ocean of why. I mean, there's, it's just so powerful. This, it's not just something that, uh, you know, you're, you're, this is who you are. And I can feel that. And I know our listeners can feel that too. And it's, it's just so inspiring. So I want to thank you. Well, I'm blushing. <laughs> and <laughs> it was such a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. I had no idea that I would be talking about my experiences in Kosovo. <laughs> well, all right, Lisa, take care and we will be in touch. Thanks so much. Right. Bye-bye. <laughs> 